Hey everyone, my name is Adam and welcome to the Ridge Weekly Podcast. At the end of today's episode, please take a minute and download our free Chestnut Ridge app. It has all our recent message content and more. You can also head to theridge.church to get information on service times and get info on everything going on here at the Ridge. We hope this podcast will encourage and inspire you as you continue to grow in your relationship with God and others. Before we begin our subject here today, why don't we take a minute and pray. Our Heavenly Father, we know that your word is living and active, as the writer of Hebrews said, and we know that you're able to take your word and do a work in our hearts with it, that you're able to breathe life into it, Lord, and that's what we ask you to do today, that you just ignite within us, O oh Lord, uh, uh, an understanding but also passion, O oh Lord, to flesh out what you've taught in your word for us, because it really is the life-giving way, oh Lord, your, your word is indeed a light to our path, and we're grateful to you for it. Speak to us today, we ask, in Jesus' name, amen. I think one of the greatest privileges that we have as Christians is to lead another person to Jesus Christ, to lead someone to place their faith in him to be their savior. It's kind of like we're, we're bringing people right to Jesus, we're helping them understand who he was and what he did for them. And, and we then have this wonderful privilege of, of sharing a message that produces eternal life and those who respond to it. I mentioned early on in the book I wrote, When God Walked Alone, about the first time I ever shared this message with anyone. I was about 13 at the time, and I was sharing the gospel with a young friend of mine named Dan. He was one year younger than I was. And and, and he responded to the message. He understood after we had talked that he, had, he, he knew he was a sinner and that he needed a savior and he wanted to put his trust in Jesus Christ to be his savior. But what was so encouraging to me is that of his own initiative when he was done, he pulled out a pocket knife and then he carved in the, the log that we were sitting on his initials plus the date because he wanted to remember that this was the date that he became a Christian, and he himself was so excited about it. I think a lot of people have the wrong idea what a Christian is. I think a lot of people think that because they live in a Christian nation that maybe they're a Christian or maybe they go to a Christian church, one of the Christian denominations, and they think they're a Christian, but what a real Christian is is someone who has a relationship with Jesus Christ, having put their trust in him. It's the starting point of a beautiful and wonderful relationship with him. And I want to ask you, by the way, as I've been talking in this series, this question, do you really know Jesus? Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they answer me, and I give to them eternal life. Notice the relational aspect of that. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they answer me. And then I give to them eternal life. But because I shared this message with this friend and he responded to it, now I'm confident that one day I'll see him again in heaven. And, and I'm just so excited that we can partner with God in communicating a message that imparts eternal life to those who respond to it. And after I shared the gospel with this young man, something happened within my own heart. I was filled with a joy that I had never up to that point in my life experienced. I was just so filled with joy and it lasted for several days. I just was so excited because my friend had come to put his trust in Christ. 
The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 3, 9, he said, we are God's co-workers. It's an amazing thought that God allows us to be co-workers with him. I realize that, that God could reach people on his own. God could do a better job, certainly, than we do. And yet he has chosen to allow us to partner with him in communicating this beautiful message to the world. And I think he does it that way so that we might share in the joy and the blessing associating, associated with seeing people go from death to life, from light or darkness to light as well. Now, for most of us, though, I think the idea of sharing our faith is kind of intimidating. The thought of communicating your faith with a relative or a friend or a neighbor or a coworker, I think, I think sometimes we, we're afraid of that or we, we feel like we're not, in, we're not adequate to do that. And we live in a world in which we're told that there are two subjects you're never supposed to talk about. One of them is, is politics and the other one is religion. And, and in our world today, it's real obvious why we don't want to talk about some subjects. We live in, for example, a political climate right now where if you talk about politics, people get really upset. It's almost like they have the inability to even discuss it in a rational way. But sometimes the same thing is true when we want to share our faith. You know, the very beginning part of our message is that people have a spiritual need and they don't want to hear that. To tell someone, hey, you know, as good as you think you are and as good as you may be, you're not good enough to get to heaven. All have sinned. We all fall short of God's standard of righteousness and, and people don't want to hear that message. Now, when I wrote the book I did, When God Walked Alone, I divided it into five main sections and I've been devoting one week to each of the main sections. In section one, I talked about what the gospel is and I want to review this so you see exactly where I'm going here this morning and next week. But I talked about the fact that the problem that we have to address in people's lives is this thing called sin. And sin just means that we miss the mark with God. And I think everybody, if they're honest, they realize, yes, I missed the mark. You know, we miss the mark with other people as well, but we miss the mark with God. The solution is Jesus. Problem is sin, the solution is Jesus, specifically because of who he was and is and what he came to do for us. No one else could be our savior. Jesus was the son of God and God the son who lived a sinless life so that he could die in our place and for our sin. And when he rose again from the dead, it demonstrated that God accepted the payment on our behalf. So Jesus is the only one qualified to be our savior. The sinless one died for sinners. He paid the price so that we could enter into a relationship with our God. And then the response God's looking for is faith. Problem is sin, the solution is Jesus. But what response God looks for is trust, faith. Would we, will we put our trust or confidence in Jesus Christ to be our savior? Now in the second part of the book, I give examples and demonstrate how the problem in each case when a person finally has a relationship with God is sin, the solution is Jesus, the response is faith or trust. The third week of the series, I dealt with some of the careless or incorrect ways that people communicate the gospel message. I just gave a few examples that there, there are more in the book, but we need to be careful how we communicate this message. The fourth section of the book is what I'm addressing here today, and that is what we have at our disposal to help equip us to communicate the message with other people. I call these tools in the toolbox 
And I'm going to cover three of them today, but there are many more that we could address and that are in the book. The last section of the book talks about how the gospel should impact our daily lives. This message that through faith in Christ we receive eternal life and we, we receive the grace of God is something that should impact how we live our lives day by day. But today I want to talk about these resources that we have to share our faith with other people. Now before I get into these resources though, and again I'm just going to cover three of them, I want to talk briefly about our responsibility as Christians to share our faith. Because I am convinced that we have a responsibility if we have come to faith in Jesus Christ, to introduce other people to Jesus Christ as well. Now, I want to read a, a few verses here from 2 Corinthians. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 to 21. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21. Paul wrote these words, and I'm going to read them in a minute. But before I do, I need to define one term. Because this particular term appears in these verses five times in various forms. The word is reconciliation or reconcile. Harper's Bible Dictionary defines reconciliation in this way. It's a term indicating the changed relationship for the better between persons or groups who formerly were at enmity, that means hostility, with each other. Humanity stands in need of reconciliation. And so it's talking about this hostility or enmity that, that exists between two people, and reconciliation is when these two groups come together. Another scholar by the name of Carnes puts it this way in the Dictionary of Theological Terms. Reconciliation is the removal of the enmity, again, that's hostility, between God and the sinner and the establishment of a new relationship of peace and friendship between them on the ground of Christ's payment. Now, this might surprise some of you to realize, but in Romans chapter 5 and in Ephesians chapter 2, we read that all of us are really enemies of God. Now, if you ask the average person, do you think you're an enemy of God? They'd say, well, no, I'm not an enemy of God. Of course not. And yet, because of our sin... We're in this hostile position of God. Another way to put it is that all of us as people live in rebellion of God. And if you think about it, you, I think you'd acknowledge this is kind of true, that, that you want to be your own God, that, that none of us, in a sense, wants some God telling us what we have to do or what we don't have to do. We want to be gods of our own lives. It's this thing called sin, though, and it puts a, a problem between us and our Creator, and this is why the gospel is so important, so essential, because the good news is about Jesus Christ taking our sin from us and taking it upon himself, dying in our place for our sin. And with the sin removed, the enmity is also removed, and our relationship with our creator is reconciled or restored. Now, with this background in mind, let's read 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21, and notice the word reconcile or reconciliation. Paul writes, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, and look, new things have come. When you put your trust in Christ, you're, you're in Christ. It's like you're tucked into Christ, and you're a new person. You're born anew, as Jesus put it. 
And then he says, everything is from God who reconciled us, there it is, the word, reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, certain that God is appealing through us. Do you realize that God speaks through us? He appeals to other people through us. And here's what he says, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, because he made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. God has committed to us this message that brings about reconciliation between a person and God through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now my takeaway today is this, that we're ambassadors for Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ. I've often thought what an honor it would be to be an ambassador for a country. If you can imagine for a moment, just what an honor that is to represent your country or represent the President of the United States to another country. That it's like you're, spokes, you're the spokesperson for, for that country or that president. But there's something that's even more wonderful. We have even a greater honor. We represent the creator of the universe. We represent Jesus Christ. Look at verse 20 again. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Certain, we are certain that God is appealing through us when we speak this message. And we plead with people on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, isn't that it? We want people, please get right with God, please get right with God, and it takes place through Jesus Christ. Now once again, I recognize that sometimes we're afraid to communicate the message or we don't feel like we're adequate. And so today, I, I want to briefly focus on, on some of the resources that we have, some of what I've called the tools in our toolbox that will help us communicate this message with other people. And the first one is this, that we have the Holy Spirit. We're not on our own when it comes to sharing the gospel message with other people. We have the Spirit of God. We have a helper that is within us that can help us along the way. Of course, Jesus said this to his early disciples, you remember, just before he returned to his Father in heaven, he gave his disciples and us what's been called the Great Commission. He said, go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations in my name, you know, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then he said, teach them to obey what I've commanded. And then he added this, but I will be with you to the very end of the age. And when we're communicating this gospel message, we recognize he's with us in this. Now, how does the Holy Spirit help us, though? Well, I want to mention at least three ways. First of all, he gives us boldness to speak. You know, when the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples of Jesus, they became changed people. You remember prior to the Holy Spirit coming upon them, they were so afraid, they were fearful. We find them in the book of Acts in an upper room and it's like they're hiding up there and then suddenly the Holy Spirit came upon them and they changed. They became bold all of a sudden. And the Holy Spirit is able to give us the boldness to be able to communicate this message with other people. Second, the Spirit gives us many times the words to say. We just don't know how to communicate the message but he can help us. In Ephesians 6, Paul prayed this prayer He said, pray also for me 
that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this I'm an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may be bold enough to speak as I should. Notice he's asking God for two things. One is he's saying, I want the message. I need for you to give me the message. And then he's second, he says, I need the boldness to communicate the message as I should. And then there's a third way in which the Holy Spirit is involved, and that is he's on the receiving end. He's working in the heart of the person to whom we are speaking. The first week of this series, I talked about my Jewish neighbor who lived across the street, and I shared the gospel with her, and, and at the time that I shared the gospel with her, she actually prayed a prayer to receive Christ, but she told me later that it wasn't sincere, it wasn't real that she, she was just trying to make me feel good. You know, she didn't want to offend a, a 13 or 14-year-old boy. And so she, she just went along with me. But then that night something happened and the Spirit of God began to speak to her. And the Spirit of God was the one that convinced her that she was indeed a sinner, that she wasn't as good as she thought she was. And she realized that she needed a Savior. And before the, ma- the morning came, just really at about the dawn, She said she put her trust in Jesus Christ for real this time, and her life was dramatically changed. I'm thankful for the fact that it's not our job to save anyone. We just have a responsibility to communicate a message. God is the one that that does it. But the Spirit of God helps with boldness and with the words, and he helps the listener receive it as well. We have a second tool, though, in addition to the Holy Spirit, and that is our story. You know, people sometimes will argue with our message. They'll argue or debate with us. They'll bring up objections to the message or whatever, but there's something they really can't object to, and that is our story, our, our message, what, how God has changed our life. The apostle Paul was really good about using this approach when he was sharing the gospel with other people. He just kind of shared his story. We have an example of this in Acts chapter 22 where Paul had been arrested and there was a huge crowd there and it was really a lot of commotion. And after he was arrested and still standing there, he asked the commander if he could could address the crowd. And the commander gave him permission and this is what he said in Acts chapter 22, beginning in verse one. He said, I'm a Jewish man, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel and educated according to the strict view of our patriarchal law. Being zealous for God, just as all of you are today, I persecuted this way to death. In other words, Christianity. Binding and putting both men and women in jail, as both the high priest and the whole council of elders can testify about me. He said, you could check out my story. Even the high priest would tell you this is what happened. After I received letters from them to the brothers, in other words, the the Jews who lived in Damascus, I had these letters, I traveled to Damascus to bring those who were prisoners there to be punished in Jerusalem. But as I was traveling and near Damascus, about noon, an intense light from heaven suddenly flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I answered, who are you, Lord? He said to me, I am Jesus, the Nazarene, the one you're persecuting. Now, this is just part of his story. 
But it's very, very compelling. He's saying, I'm a guy that was zealous like you are, and I, I was attacking Christians. Something must have happened. And I'm telling you what it was. I met Jesus Christ, and he suddenly changed my life. And again, people can challenge various aspects of, of the gospel message, but they can't challenge our story. Years ago, I put together a little gospel track that explained my story. And most of you have heard me talk about the fact that I put my trust in Christ when I was kind of young. But this little gospel track is titled The Worst Kid in Town. Let me show you a picture of this. Uh, that was when I had hair. Uh, so I don't use this anymore because if I tell people that's me, they won't believe it. Uh, but that was me, and that's when I had hair at the time. And it's called the worst kid in town because I, I was a preacher's kid. They call them PKs. And oftentimes, ministers' kids or preachers' kids have a reputation of being the worst kid in town because they rebel. They rebel against their parents. They go the other direction. And I know several preachers' kids that, that did. And I even understand why. When I was growing up, I hated being a preacher's kid. I really, really hated it. And I mentioned in my story there that I would have walked away from all of it had it not been the reality of this message. When I was young, I put my faith in Jesus Christ. And, and I was changed. And so when I was facing a variety of things in my life because of my faith, I didn't turn aside from it. I knew what my dad had shared with me when I was five was absolutely true. And by the way, God used this little track, this little story it's a very small, it's a little trifold that I used to pass out when I'd go to a grocery store or some other place. And I remember two occasions with this particular little tract. One thing about it, by the way, is when I'd offer to hand it to someone and I said, I wrote this and that's me on the cover, no one ever refused it. They were just too curious. I say, that's my story of how I began a relationship with God. But on one occasion, I was going door to door. We used to go door to door and share the gospel message with people and, and one day I was knocking on a door and a couple college students opened the door and the guy looked at me, one of the guys looked at me and he said, I know who you are, I recognize you. He said, you're on my refrigerator. And I said, what? He said, come on in. And I walked in and sure enough, this gospel tract was attached to his refrigerator. And now he was talking to the guy who was pictured there and I began to share the gospel with him. Another occasion, I went to a, a Burger King and I looked behind where the girl was standing and I noticed the little worst kid in town tract pinned up on a bulletin board behind her and I realized that God was using that. We all have a story. This is why when we do baptisms, we ask people to share your story. What was it like before you knew Jesus? How did you come to faith in Christ? And then to explain what happens afterwards. But all of us, if we know Jesus Christ, we have a story. We have the Holy Spirit, we have our own story, and then the third tool we have is the church. We have other believers, and when we as Christians are together and others come in who have not put their trust in Christ, they can see many times the difference. Jesus said in John 13, 34 and 35, he said, I give a new command. Love one another just as I have loved you. You must also love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another, as people witness the love that we have for one another and the love that expands beyond our walls, they are attracted to it and they wonder, what is it we have? A few chapters later, Jesus was praying and he said this, may they all be one 
as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be one in us so the world may believe you sent me. As we're united with one another, people begin to see the difference. In my book, I talk about the time when I lived in Columbus, Ohio, and <clears throat> there was a young man I knew. He was about 20 years old, but he told me a story that he used to live in Detroit, Michigan. That's where he was raised. And he'd been beaten up much of his life living where he did in his neighborhood so that he had learned to fight. So he was really kind of a tough kind of guy. And one day, he was noticed a football game going on. It was a, a, a pickup game of tackle football, and he asked if he could play with the guys. All the other guys that were playing were from the church I attended. They were all Christians. Well, this guy was unnecessarily rough in the way he played. When he tackled someone, it's like he wanted to tackle them so they'd not get back up again. He would drive them to the ground. And usually when this happened, when he'd played in other games before, it led to a fight. And it was always a fight that he would win because he was just good at fighting. But when he knocked down these Christians, their response was different. They said something like, nice hit. And nobody got mad. And when he was the one that was on the ground, they reached down and said, let me give you a hand. And they helped him up. And when the game was done, he just, he just kind of blurted out, what's with you people? And they said, what do you mean? He says, you're different. He said, I've never seen anything like this before. This response, usually when I hit people the way I do, they get so mad, but you guys didn't. I want to know what you have. What is your secret? And he began to share Jesus Christ with, or, or they shared Jesus Christ with him and he responded to the message and he was changed in that moment. And he became very bold about his faith. In fact, a little later when I was mugged in Columbus, Ohio, and after I was mugged, a lot of people gathered outside and there were police cars there and I was sitting in the back of the police car. It was this young man who walked over to me and I told him the story how this guy had tried to stab me and how God had protected me. And this young man took that story and he went to the crowd that was gathered and he began to share the gospel with all of them. He said, that's my friend in the car there and God saved him, but there's a kind of salvation God wants to provide that's greater, the salvation of your soul. And he shared the gospel with those who gathered. I think when people see other believers and especially how we interact with one another, their hearts are won over to Christ, and they want to know what the secret is. So what do we do with this? Well, I want to offer some possible steps that you can take. Number one, I want to encourage you to just pray. Pray for people by name. There's some people that I regularly pray for by name that they would come to faith in Christ. I'm just asking that God would open their hearts and their ear to the gospel message and that they would respond. Also pray, of course, for opportunities as you go about your day, that we're ambassadors for Christ. And and ask that God will provide opportunities. Number two is I encourage you to know the message. The Apostle Peter said, always be ready to give an account when people ask you, why do you have so much hope? Always be ready. Have the message ready. The problem is sin. The solution is Jesus because of who he is and what he came to do and the response God's looking for is faith. Third, know your story. Be, be ready to be able to share that message succinctly. This is the way I used to be. This is how I found Christ. This is how my life changed. Fourth, look for opportunities. There'll be some opportunities around as you're talking with people. I've had, by the way, some opportunities just recently related to my book as people ask, well, what did you write about? And I know other people are using it in that way to say, well, my pastor wrote this and it's opening up a dialogue for the gospel message. And I think that's wonderful. But there are other ways 
that God may want to use us in our world to communicate the gospel with other people. When I worked in the secular field, I used to bring my Bible to work. It was just a little subtle thing, but it communicated that this is someone who's kind of spiritual. And that opened doors for me to communicate Jesus Christ with other people. So look for opportunities. And then finally, invite. At Chestnut Ridge Church, we have what we call a strategy called invest and invite. We encourage people to invest in people and in relationships with other people. I realize this is a little harder now. It used to be, for example, that when I would go to the gym, I'd get to know people at the gym and it would open up a lot of spiritual conversations. That's a little tough now in in the world in which we live. But as you get to know people, then we encourage you to invite them, invite them to, to either faith in Christ yourself or you can invite them to some church event where they'll be exposed to the gospel. Invite them to to watch the program online where you know that they'll hear the gospel message. But God has commissioned us to be ambassadors. Let me mention one last thing in closing. You know, we live in a, in a world that's changing dramatically. And, and I would say, personally, I think it's changing more dramatically right now than ever in my life. I just have never seen the changes come down so rapidly and in the wrong direction. And we could be giving ourselves to despair, but this is the message that can make the difference as God saves people one by one. As God changes people one by one when they come to faith in Jesus Christ, it can make the difference. That's the change that we need in our world today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for the privilege that you have given to us to participate with you in the communication of this amazing message. And how when people do put their trust in Jesus Christ, they are changed, they are transformed, they are given the wonderful gift of eternal life, and you've given us just the wonderful, joyful privilege of being part of that, and we're grateful. I pray you give us opportunities in the days ahead. I ask you, Lord, that you remind us to pray for people, to have eyes to see the opportunities that may be around us as we go through our day. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Ridge Weekly Podcast. If you'd like to hear more messages now, you can check out our past series at theridge.church slash messages or download the free Ridge app. Thanks again for listening and we will see you next time.